Well, good morning. Good morning. Welcome to the Blue Lake Presbyterian Church. Thank you all for coming this morning. We have a great turnout again. Thank you. The title to today's message today is Bread of Life. And it's based on John 6, verses 51 through 58. We'll be looking at that in a little bit. So the children are lined up at the cafeteria line at the Catholic elementary school. And at the head of the table, there is a huge plate of sliced bread. Now, above it, it reads a sign, take only two slices. God is watching. Well, then the children keep moving down the line. And at the, end of the, on the other end of the table is a beautiful bowl full of chocolate chip cookies. So one of the children looks at that bowl of cookies and writes a sign. Take all you want. God is watching the bread. <laughs> well, last week, my wife and I had dinner in one of our favorite Italian restaurants. And after we ordered the meal, the waitress came out with a freshly baked bread. Straight out of the oven. And as you break that and cut it with some butter, what a delight. Now, some restaurants have taken this bread experience to a whole new level. In Missouri and Alabama, there is a small chain called Lambert's Cafe. The home of the throat rolls. Now, I know throat rolls is not very good English, but that's what it's called. The story goes that Norman Lambert started the tradition of throwing rolls to his customers. And he explained, I started rolling, throwing these rolls when it was very busy one afternoon. And to serve the rolls to a customer, and, and, and it was so busy, I just didn't have time for it. So one of our customers said, just throw them. So I threw them. And this has now become a tradition at uh, Lambert's Cafe, where fresh rolls, straight from the oven, are thrown to customers. <laughs> then here in Arcata, we have the Brio Breadworks. It's a notable local bread story. They make the bread by hand, in an old-world artisanal style. A style used by bakers for thousands of years, called pain au levain. The name comes from the way the bread is leavened, with wild yeast. Well, this morning I, I brought uh, some Brio buns. I picked them up at the Brio store this morning when they were still coming straight out of the oven, when they were still warm. So after the service, for the bread lovers among us, we have some bread here. But what is it about bread that makes it so delicious? And according to a report by French yeast manufacturer Le Savre, the taste buds spread all over the tongue recognize a series of flavors, sugar and salt and acidity and bitterness, among others. And this combination of tastes and aromas make for the flavor of bread. Bread in its various forms is more widely consumed around the world. 
It is an important source of carbohydrates, which helps explain why it's been an integral part of our diet for thousands of years. Now, a study done by the National Academy of Science in 2010, they discovered traces of starch from roots of cattails and ferns in prehistoric mortar and rocks. Those roots were ground into flour, mixed with water. And finally, this paste would be cooked on heated rocks, making this prehistoric flatbread. But how do we go from flatbread to these nice fluffy uh, loaves? And the answer lies in commercial yeast production, dating back all the way to the ancient Egypt, all the way 300 years before Christ. Now, bread has come a long way since then. Since then. And according to Index Box, which is a marketing research firm, the global bread and bakery market in 2015 was over $230 billion. Now, the question is, what does the Bible say about bread? Bread is commonly mentioned in the Bible. It is cited 366 times. In Genesis 3.19, God instructed Adam, you shall eat bread. And in Genesis 18.6, Abraham told Sarah to make some bread cakes after some unexpected visitors showed up in front of the tent. And when the Israelites left Egypt, the Bible says in Exodus 12.39, they baked the dough which they had brought out of Egypt into cakes of unleavened bread. More than half the books in the Bible, 38 in all, make references to bread. But there isn't a chapter in the Bible where bread is mentioned as frequently as in John 6. In this chapter, Jesus talks about bread 17 times. But in verse 51, he talks about a special type of bread, calling living bread, or the bread of life. And that brings us to today's reading, which can be found on page 98 of your pew Bible. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats of this bread will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. The Jews then disputed among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? So Jesus said to them, Very truly, I tell you, unless you eat, the flesh of the Son of Man, and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Those who eat my flesh and drink my blood have eternal life, and I will raise them up on the last day. For my flesh is true food, true food. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. Those who eat my flesh and drink my blood 
Abide in me, and I in them. Just as the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so whoever eats me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven, not like that which your ancestors ate, and they died. But the one who eats this bread will live forever. Please bow our heads. Guide us, O God, by your word and spirit, that in your light we may see light, in your truth find wisdom, and in your will discover your peace. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. So the Gospel of John was written around 90 AD, later than the other three Gospels. The Gospels of Luke and Mark and Matthew. John's Gospel often fills in the gaps where the other three writers did not mention. Such is the case in today's reading. All four Gospels describe in great detail the feeding of the 5,000. But only John gives this narrative that followed the following day. The day after the feeding. That next day when Jesus addressed the people in a synagogue in Capernaum. And isn't it interesting that Jesus gives this sermon on the bread of life. The day after the people filled their tummies with bread and fish. It almost seems that if Jesus hadn't performed that miracle and fed the large crowd first, he wouldn't have had such a receptive audience. Jesus promises that whoever eats his flesh and drinks his blood has eternal life and will be raised up on the last day. Jesus promises to nourish the world with the gift of salvation. Now for a moment, let's go back to the very first words in the Gospel of John. It starts with, in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. And in John 1.14, And the Word became flesh and lived among us. So Jesus said, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. But then he equates his flesh with the bread of life. And the Jews, they are not getting it. They are confused. And they start disputing among themselves. They are arguing. And they pose this question. How can this man give us his flesh to eat? But Jesus reiterates what he had said before and makes it even more clear in verse 53. Very truly I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. 
The folks that were listening were raised in the Jewish tradition, with the Ark of the Covenant and the laws of Moses. This is what they knew. But now things were drastically changing. And the people were confused. They keep asking Jesus, what do we need to do? And Jesus repeatedly says, believe in me and you will never thirst or hunger and receive eternal life. So the answer to the salvation question can be any clearer. These words from Jesus changed the world forever. It was a paradigm shift. And let me illustrate this with an example. Growing up in Holland, I recall the days of coal and anthracite. We used anthracite in the house, small little hard coal. And at the nursery, in the greenhouse, we used the larger, bigger coals. And I remember one particular New Year's Eve, as a child, staying up until after midnight. And I went with my dad to the greenhouse, a few miles away, to the farm, where he was scooping coal into the boiler to keep the greenhouse warm at night. These were the days well before computer climate controls. Well, this all changed when natural gas arrived. We no longer needed coal. This was an instrumental change. It was the new way. So it was with Jesus. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Many people at the time didn't want to hear. They covered their ears. They did not want to see the light. And they closed their eyes. There are still many folks around the world that have not been exposed to or touched by the shining light of Jesus Christ. That light that provides eternal life. Aretha Franklin, the Queen of Soul, passed away this week. She was a church-trained pianist and organist who often accompanied herself on recordings and in concerts. The Wall Street Journal wrote a commentary this week. Let me read this. Aretha Franklin, thanks to her powerful flexible voice and fierce delivery was the most commanding and influential vocalist of her generation. When Aretha Franklin let out a gospel wail or added a oh yes I am in a spiritual film, her songs became urgent messages and awakened the emotions of anyone with a heart. Oh, yes, I am. That saying, I am, came from the mighty God of the universe who called himself, I am, when he spoke to Moses from that burning bush.
And in Exodus 3.14, Moses asked, When I go down to Egypt, and the people ask me, Who sent me? What shall I tell them? And God said to Moses, I am that I am. You tell the Israelites, I am sent you. So now 1,500 years later, Jesus completed that statement that was given to Moses. Seven times in the Gospel of John, he uses the expression, I am. And the first thing he said in John 6.35, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger. So when someone wants to make an impression on another person and is communicating something that is very important, it is not unusual to repeat what was said just to make sure, just to make the point, just to make sure that the other person clearly understood what was said. This reading that we read earlier in, in John 6, 51 through 58, took less than two minutes. But in a short time, Jesus repeated himself over and over. He actually said the same thing six times in less than two minutes. Whoever eats the bread of life will never hunger. In verse 58 he said, This is the bread that came down from heaven, not like that which your ancestors ate, and they died. But the one who eats this bread will live forever. Well, the ancestors Jesus is referring to were the Israelites, spending 40 years in the wilderness with Moses, while the Lord provided them every day with bread, bread that came from heaven, as described in Exodus 16. They called it manna. Now, Moses explicitly told the Israelites in Exodus 16, 19, to not leave any for the next day. But some of them still did. And they left part for the following morning. Anyway. And it bred worms. And it became stale. It became foul. Well, this is the brie of bread I picked up this morning. And it came straight from the oven. And if you cut this thing open... You can just smell this fresh bread. And it smells great. But here we have a piece of bread that I picked up from the Brio store about five days ago. It's about as hard as you can get. <clears throat> it is no longer fresh. The Bible says in Joshua 9.12, this bread was hot from the oven when we left our homes. But now, as you can see, it is dry and moldy. When this piece of bread sits around for a few more days, mold will start growing on it. And eventually, it will rot away and become compost. 
the bread of the world will pass away. It will die. But the bread that Jesus provides, the bread of life, will never pass away. And those who eat this bread will never die. And here we have arrived at the cornerstone of the gospel. A pillar that holds a fundamental truth. A tenet which depicts the great news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The promise of salvation through the bread of life is so enticing, so convincing, so intriguing, and so powerful. You may ask, what do I need to do to get this, to eat this bread? What do I need to do to get this amazing, life-transforming experience? Well, Billy Graham, in a sermon he gave in 1988, said that in America, more people die of loneliness and guilt and depression, of insecurity and heart hunger, than die of physical starvation. A few years ago, BYU conducted an influential meta-analysis of scientific literature on this particular subject. And they found that social isolation increases, increases the risk of death by an astounding 30%. And in some estimates, as high as 60%. Bread in the Bible is the symbol of spiritual life. People all around the world are the same. They have an inborn hunger for something. And that something is Christ. People cannot be satisfied with anything less than Jesus Christ. Now you may ask, what do I need to do to receive Jesus? To receive Jesus Christ? Just open your heart and say, Lord Jesus, come in. I am willing to turn from my sins and receive you as my Lord and Savior. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never hunger. This bread of life satisfies the inner longings and hungers of the human heart. Have you taken a bite of this bread? The simple truth is this. All one needs to do is this. Say yes to a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Ask for forgiveness. Eat this bread. Believe. And Jesus' promise of eternal life will be like fresh water. Flowing from a cool spring. We started this morning with the hymn based on the melody of Beethoven's Ninth Symphony. Joyful, joyful, we adore thee. Friends, as we close today, 
I honestly cannot think of a more joyful promise as the promise of eternal life. Thank you. God bless you. Amen.